You're live. Leslie, good morning to everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Coles Brown Show. Watch exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. Yours truly, Coles Brown, here on a Saturday, August 28th. And if you're in the Louisiana area, which I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, we have a very dangerous storm heading our way. We want to ask for your thoughts and prayers on this situation that we come through it all right. If you're on the Gulf Coast and you're in Louisiana like I am, it's, I guess you get used to it, but you don't. Another dangerous storm. So the divine creator, he will be in charge of all of this situation. And we hope that everyone, everyone makes it through this uh, very dangerous storm. On that note, today's guest menu looks like this. In hour number one, I'm going to be joined by Jim Klein, Peter of The Advocate. He covers Southern University Athletics. We'll get a fall wrap-up update, a fall camp wrap-up date from Jim Klein, Peter. Then following Jim Klein, Peter will be Charles Edmond of the Alcorn State Radio Network. Of course, there are some college HBCU college football games going on today and college football games, but Charles Edmund will join me live from Atlanta, Georgia, as he'll get you ready for Alcorn State and North Carolina Central. Then in hour number two, I'll be joined by Brandon B.J. Jones of the HBCU Sports Lounge. His show debuted this past week on the Black College Sports Network. He'll join me in hour number two, of course. He'll take a look at all of the games going on in black college football. And then last but not least, A.D. Drew of Black College Sports Network's Sports Wrap. He'll join me. And uh, we will talk about a, a poll that debuted from HBCU Pro Media Sports Association. And it's going to be interesting with that poll. You know, polls of that, predictions. And we'll see what uh, everyone will uh, think of of this poll. You agree, disagree, but the conversation I'm sure will be uh, very interesting. Here's what's trending on the Coles Brown Show. Central State University and Kentucky State University will kick off the 2021 football season today in the inaugural classic for Columbus at Ohio Stadium. The two HBCUs have been rivals since 1947, and the game will also feature two of the most prestigious bands in the country, the Invincible Marching Marauders and the Mighty Marching Thoroughbreds. So Kentucky State and Central State, they will tangle in Ohio. The Southwestern Athletic Conference has announced additions to its 2021 SWAC football television schedule on Friday, which is highlighted by a record number of league games slated to be available on ESPN's Leonard and digital platforms. The 2021 slate of ESPN games now feature five additional games that have been slated to be carried live on ESPN+. Those matchups include McNeese, McNeese State at Southern University September the 18th, Alcorn State at Bethune-Cookman November the 6th, FAMU at Arkansas Pine Bluff November the 13th, and Texas Southern at Alabama State November 20th, and Tuskegee at Alabama State, November 25th. 
So five additional games carried on the 2021 SWAC football television schedule. Ingrid Wicker McGree is stepping down as athletic director at North Carolina Central after 13 years of service to pursue the next chapter in her personal and professional career, according to reports. Wicker uh, McCree was named North Carolina Central's AD in 2008 while the school was competing as an NCAA Division II independent before joining the MEAC in 2010, where it is currently a member. So she's stepping down at the end of this academic year. We wish uh, Miss McCree all the best in her next chapter in her career. Grambling State University mourns the loss of former Tiger football legend Melvin Lee, who passed away on Thursday. Coach Melvin Lee was a true Grambling legend, Grambling State President Rick Gallo said. His impact on Grambling State University football was immense and will continue to live on. Christy and I will keep his wife, Pauline, in our prayers. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the Grambling State family as well. Coach Lee journey from this life. That's top trending stories on the Coles Brown Show. What I'm going to do right now is take a time out. When I come back, I'm scheduled to join with Jim Kleinpeter. He's going to be right here in Baton Rouge. And once again, um, be safe, everyone, in, in, in the Louisiana, not only Louisiana area, but also in Mississippi and Jackson. Those areas will be affected by uh, Hurricane Ida. So Jim Kleinpeter joins me next. Take a quick time out. You're watching. The Carlos Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. Football bands and one of the best fan experiences in the country. The Cricket BX Swack Challenge kickoff returns to Atlanta on August 28th along with special guests. College game day. Then Alcorn State takes on North Carolina Central with conference bragging rights on the line. Center Park Stadium is the place to be on August 28th. Come tailgate all day before enjoying a primetime matchup on the gridiron. You don't want to miss this. Check out MeAxWackChallenge.com for more information. Alabama State to, to face Howard. It'll be interesting to see how the fan mix works. You know, how Howard's fan base uh, responds, because has Howard been in a swack MEAC challenge? So I thought it was initially kind of good to introduce the Northeast part of the, the MEAC to the SWAC. Yeah, I, Howard claims to have a homecoming. They claim to have kind of a tailgate. I want to see what that looks like. Can they travel to Atlanta? <laughs> I just want to say, I haven't seen much of a Howard. I've been to a Howard homecoming. I've been to Howard tailgate. I'm sorry, Howard fans. Let me let me repeat. It's nothing to brag on. <laughs> it is it is a one day aspire or BET video. That is it. So good, <laughs> but good for you. But I, I think that event you need to bring a little bit more to the fire. So, man, all them Howard fans out there, <laughs> they got they got beat up when they dealing with the HU. 
Mike was like, not so fast <laughs> with the homecoming. Hey, all that swack arrogance just came out in that one statement. Tune in every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern for Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Course, lecture, dismissed. Zero Sugar, Sunday, August 29th, 4 o'clock, NRG Stadium in Houston, featuring the hottest HBCU marching bands, Southern University, Lexington University, Tennessee State, Norfolk State, North Carolina A&T State, Texas Southern, Bethune, Cookman, and Jackson State. Don't miss the battle on the field and the stands with scholarships, over $500,000 in counting for our HBCUs. It's an HBCU experience you don't want to miss, with a weekend of activities with, with the Cracker Barrel, Barrel Step and Stroll, Pepsi Zero Sugar Emerging Experience, Sports Masterclass and Gaming Tournament and the free Pepsi Zero Sugar College and Health Fair. Tickets started just $15. Get them right now at nationalbattleofthebands.com. It's the Cracker Barrel National Battle of Bands. Sunday, August 29th, NRG Stadium, Houston. Gates open up at 2.30. Also sponsored by Cricket and HEB. Nationalbattleofthebands.com. Get your tickets right now. <laughs> It's like a loop machine. All around town, trying to get down. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Coles Brown Show, watched exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. Today's first guest, Jim Klein Peter. He covers Southern University athletics for the advocate. Jim, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Carlos. Jim, we are in the area that uh, often we have to have a game plan, and it looks like, again, a game plan for a dangerous storm. I guess that's the price of being in this area, Jim. You got your game plan ready? I'm ready, yeah. You know, uh, I I don't have that much I have to do, but uh, I know what I have to do, and uh Got my batteries, got my uh, stocked up on food, and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, hopefully you're going to be all right. And we'll, we are resilient people. And uh, this is not a first go around as far as the storm. You never underestimate them, but you have a good game plan and you execute that game plan. And after that, hopefully it's back to normalcy. Wow, what a pandemic going on as well, Jim. Oh, well, here we go. Pleasure to have you on. Um, Last time we talked, Southern University football was in their fall camp. Now fall camp is officially uh, over. Jim, if you could update us on some things that that you highlighted as far as the 2021 fall camp for Southern University. Well, it wasn't a... uh there wasn't a lot of sexy stuff for Southern to, to do. They were, uh, you know, starters uh, were just about all back. So what, um, but Jason Rollins spent a lot of time trying to not to mention names because I think he wanted uh, uh, they were looking for depth. Uh, we all know who's going to play uh, outside of one defensive starter. Everybody's back. Uh, they're going to have to find a kicker and a punter. Um, 
but uh, a lot of there was a lot of behind the scenes stuff, a lot of situational work, a lot of seeing who can play and who can get into the rotation. So when, when I say depth, it's not people that are sitting on the bench. It's people who they can trust to put in the game for a starter to give them a rest. So uh, that's the kind of thing they're looking for. And that's that's vital because. Uh, Southern's going to be playing teams that play hurry up offenses. In fact, the first games against Troy and they play uh, the fast paced hurry up offense. You've got to have four defensive tackles, four defensive ends. You got to have uh, at least three linebackers that you can rotate. You got to have multiple defensive backs. So uh, there's that. And then, you know, you've got to be, you know, they're going to have run multiple wide receivers. They, they already like to run their running backs, but that's, that's the thing they're trying to do. They're trying to get, uh, the depth uh, settled on so they know who they can trust once the uh, whistle blows. So, Jim, they're pretty much settled on, and I guess I'll put it as, as, as those number two on the depth chart as backup. It, have they made the decision on that or is still, uh, you know, a work in progress, albeit game week, is Monday? Have they settled on those number two, those, those, those backup battles? Well, the backup, yeah, it's, um, you know, they're trying to find people, um, and he, he doesn't like to mention names, but I think they know who they are, but they've got to be consistent. You know, they've been telling me, uh, well, we'll have a guy that'll that'll play well one day, and then the next, he has a bad practice the next time out. So, so you're not sure about a guy like that. Um, I think um, one position where they're a little thin is at linebacker because they just, just because they don't know they got a good one in Ray Anderson, but uh, having lost uh, Caleb Carter, uh, the next man up was Derek Williams. And he played a lot. He was in the uh, three man rotation at linebacker in the spring, but he's a freshman. You know, he was a freshman uh, in the spring and he's got five games under his belt, uh, played a lot of snaps, uh, but they've got to find some people behind those two. Uh, that's the, that's the key. I think they got plenty of defensive backs. I think they're fine there. They got, they've got eight guys on the, on the defensive line. I think that they're comfortable with. So, uh, you know, linebacker position is the one now, now offensive line is a place where they're very firm on their starters, but uh, you know, still haven't got, uh, haven't got the reserves. There's a guy, Charleston Paul right now, I think he's there. He'll be the sixth offensive lineman and they're training him at tackle right now. But I think in the future, they see him as a guy that can play anywhere on the line, but right now they don't want to overload him with learning guard tackle and center. So they're working him at tackle right now. And if they had an injury on the offensive line, they might move one of the starters into that injured spot and put Paul at tackle. Say if a guard got hurt, they, they might move uh, uh, Jatari Carter or Jeremiah Stafford to guard and then then bring in Paul at tackle or something like that. So, you know, they, they, he gives them some options uh, and uh, they, they're looking at him as somebody that maybe can play multiple positions uh, down the road a ways. This is my Jim Klein-Peter. He covers Southern University Athletics uh, for The Advocate, discussing Southern University football, fall camp 2021. Uh, version. Um, Jim, update on transfers. Now, uh, even I get a lot of questions about the two two transfers in particular. Uh, Are they in school and are they now officially in the football program? 
they're both in school. I mean, the two transfers uh, that I, I think you're talking about, Terrence Dunlap, he, he came from Troy, very good cornerback. And um, Danny Jackson, a wide receiver from Louisville, who is actually going to be playing tight end. Um, yes. they, they put, they had a shortage of people there. So they moved them to tight end. They got plenty of wide receivers. They're both in school and they're both practicing. They're full go for practice. They're just not eligible to play in a game yet. That's what the paperwork that that's being, uh, you know, uh, Dunlap sat out the 2019 season, uh, because he was academically ineligible. So I'm sure they've got to make sure he's got enough credits to be academically eligible for Southern. And I'm sure that's, I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's what it is. Um, and so, you know, these guys can practice as much as they want. It's just um, whether or not they're going to be eligible to play or, and, you know, I'm sure Terrence Dunlap really wants to play against his former team. So, uh, and he's a guy, um, uh, Jason Rollins told, was telling me that uh, he's a guy that NFL scouts have been asking about. You know, they want to come see him. So uh, he's got a possible future. He had um, three interceptions and six pass breakups in, in the spring, and that's a lot. I mean, they, they played 10 games, and so he sounds like a guy can make plays, sounds like a guy might be good in man-to-man coverage. So he might, uh, he might get that spot opposite Glenn Brown. If he gets eligible. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess Southern University, they, they have to be cautious to make sure they dot their I's and cross their T's. Uh, but, you know, that that's a question that I've been personally asked. What, what about Mr. Dunlap? You know, what about Mr. Jackson? So uh, I'm glad, uh, Jim, you were able to, you know, give us some information on that perspective. Now, here's going to be an interesting question, Jim. Who has been the surprise player or players at camp. I know Coach Rollins doesn't like to mention names, but who would you think, who would you say have been the surprise player or players 2021 fall Southern University football camp? Yeah, he's really close to the vest when it comes to uh, recognizing one player over the other. In fact, he says, if I mention uh, a couple of names, the the other three guys are going to be mad at me. Well, one guy, and I think you saw it in the, in the scrimmage on Saturday, was Tyler Kirkwood. He's a wide receiver. He caught two touchdown passes. He's a big guy. He's, uh, he, he could probably play a little tight end. Um, there's so, they got so many wide receivers right now, it's hard to tell, um, you know, who's really at the forefront. I think Marquis McLean is going to be their starter, one of their starters. And um, uh, Jorian Valine uh, and uh, but Kirkwood has uh, has you know inserted himself into the into the uh, equation, and I think you know you saw it in the two plays. He made a, a really good uh, outside out and up move to catch the thirty two yard touchdown pass in the scrimmage. And you know I'm I'm gonna say tell right now you know he, he would he got open and it was a good throw, but he didn't drop the pass. You know he's not dropping the ball. He caught three, and so they, they were throwing the ball to him. So that that tells you something. Um, so I think if 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 you were going to say somebody that that stood out and and has had a and Jason Rollins said he's had a good camp, so they may be looking for a little extra from him too. What about Mister Whitfield, Chandler Whitfield? Well, you know he's been not a surprise, uh, huh? 
I think they like him, and I think one of one of the th- one of the indications of that is they've been using him uh, as a punt returner. Um, and he 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 also caught a touchdown pass in the first scrimmage. I didn't see that one, but it was a it was a long touchdown pass. Uh, so, and this is a guy who's got skins on the wall. He played he played at uh, ULM, and he had a decent he was having a decent career at ULM. You know, he caught a few passes for them. Uh, maybe he was crowded out of the, of, of the equation up there, but uh, I, I saw him play in high school. He's very impressive. You know, uh, Zachary had uh, multiple players that, uh, uh, you know, could play division one college ball. So uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I would look for him. Uh, I would look for him to, to make an impact too. That's what I'm saying. They got, they got a bunch of wide receivers. They got, they got the kid that came from uh, ULL also um, uh, Gossett, Khalif uh, Gossett. Uh, big old big kid, six six, uh, got good speed. You know he's good. Uh, the Rollins said he'd be good in the red zone. You know when you're six six, you just throw it up there and they catch it. You know, so uh, you, you get you past. You know, get you that red zone touchdown. You don't want to settle for a field goal when you're in the red zone. That that is very important. I'm visiting with Jim Klein Peter. He covers Southern University athletics for uh, the Advocate. Now. We're going to still stick with offense quickly. Ladarius Skelton, from all accounts, has really improved. Decision-making, ball security, attitude. So, you know, in, in fall camp. Now, we'll have to see when we get when they get to playing a team with a different jersey. But talk about Skelton and, and, and the, at least the improvement that he's made in, in, in being a – a leader of this offensive team at Southern University? Well, I, I would say in his defense, you know, it, this is his last go around and, and they like what they see. I mean, the fact that he lost 10 pounds tells you that he was committed uh, in the summer. And um, because I don't know if he really had to lose that weight, but, but it, it's, he said it makes him feel uh, quicker and, and faster and he needs to be better in the pocket. He, I think his decision-making is what has to improve. And, they, and, and one thing that uh, Rollins did in the summer was they, they put all their players in the classroom. They, they had every player sit down and go through classes to learn about the responsibilities of their position instead of just you know, telling it to them on the field. And so that may help him, uh, but he's got to make better decisions. And not not just better decisions, but he's got to make up his mind quicker. I, I think he gets into trouble when he sees instead of in, uh, throwing the ball instinctively, he he double pumps or he hesitates just a fraction of a second, and that's when you throw a pick. Because if you hesitate, you know the defensive back can sense that, and then that's when he he starts to move toward the the target before the before the quarterback releases the ball he's got to release that ball when he see as soon as he sees that opening because it closes in a fraction of a second and that's what he's got to get better at everything else he does you know you've seen his arm he can throw the ball as far as anybody but you got to be able to be a passer not just a thrower and that means making your decisions uh throwing on instinct and knowing instinctively that your receiver is open and then making the decision whether to, whether or not to pull the ball down and run. They don't want him to take a lot of hits because uh, you know, that wears on you later in the game. They will continue to run the option. And I think that's what makes Southern a really dangerous offense. 
When Ladarius Skelton runs the option, he he almost never the first tackler never gets him, and uh, it is a really really effective weapon in the fourth quarter when you're trying to protect the lead because defenses do not like to try to uh, defend the option. It's just very difficult, and if it's assignment football, if you if you make a, a, a if you bust an assignment, you know the run the quarterback can can run for a long ways. And Jim, uh, good point. Yeah, assignment football. And Coach Rollins has stated this is still going to be, and correct me if I'm wrong, a run-oriented, a run-first offense. But from what I've been hearing from you, I think they'll be able to make some teams pay performing and passing the football much better because you got a, you know, tight ends, you got a plethora of wide receivers. Do you still believe it's going to be, let's put a percentage on it, maybe 60, 55, 45 run the pass? Or do you think their ultimate goal is going to be to be balanced on offense? What, what do you I, think? I think 55, 45 is, is pretty close. Um, here's what you want to do. I, I mean, this is, this is basic football, I think. You know, you got to mix it up. You, gotta, you can't let them sit on the run or sit on the pass, so you got to mix it up. They're going to take shots downfield early in the game. I know they're going to do that um, because they've got, the, they've got the athletes to do it and uh, they've got the quarterback to do it. Well, what you want to do is you want to get that – get into the second half with a lead – and then you you hit them with the run because the defense if if you're if you've been holding the ball and you saw this in the Jackson State game, Southern just brutalized Jackson State with their running game in the second half. Uh, they were they were helpless because because Southern held the ball. Jackson State's defense was on the field the whole game, and then in the fourth quarter they just couldn't stop the running game. And so that's what you want. You want to you want to take your shots early in the game, get a lead, and then. Uh, and, and hold that lead by running the ball and controlling the clock and, and making the other team desperate. And uh, I think that's what we're going to see. I think they'll throw the ball a good bit, uh, and they've got, they've got the people to do it. So, uh, uh, yeah, I think 55-45, that's pretty close to what we're going to see. Believe I could be an offensive coordinator there, Jim. <laughs> with, with my with percentages here to run the pass ratio. I'm visiting with Jim Klein Peter. He covers Southern University Athletics uh, for the advocate. Last but not least, you kind of mentioned a little bit, but special teams. Southern University, they have some freshmen, they have a returning uh, place kicker. Where where does Southern University stand as far as special teams will we see multiple players handling multiple duties or multiple players with a specialized duty i think very very possibly you could see three different people handling the place that the the kicking uh you could see i i don't know i'm, I'm and i'm going off the scrimmage then scrimmage they had martel martel Fontenot punt as the punter uh i think he's the most likely punter right now um, because punting is, is much more of a, um, uh, you've got to have some poise because you've got people rushing you and you got to kick the ball. You got to get it off in, in a, in like, what is it? Two seconds, 1.5 seconds. You got to get the ball off to keep from getting it blocked, but you also got to get the ball up high. You don't want it coming back, you know, the other way. So I think Martel Fontenot being a junior, he's probably best suited for, for being the punter. The other three guys seem like place kickers to me. So uh, Luke Jackson did a pretty good job. He hit three or four field goal attempts in, in the scrimmage. 
and uh, he, and he was doing the extra points also. But uh, I think Joshua Griffin, he's the freshman from Vicksburg. He's got the strongest leg, and uh, he put one at the goal line on three kickoffs. He put one at the goal line, one at the two, and one in the end zone. And, and that's an effective weapon. If you can if you can put the ball in the end zone, um, it, it, it's that's what you want. So, uh, you know, and, and I asked about that. I said, I asked Rollins, is this an indication of what we're going to see? And oh, no, these are guys, they're still competing. In fact, we may not make a final decision until a game or two or three into the season. So, you know, maybe we could see a, a, an ongoing battle. And, and like you said, um, you know, you don't know how these guys perform in a game until they try to perform in a game. So we'll, we'll see uh, what happens there. Well, it's going to be game week uh, Monday, and I guess preparations. And then, of course, you have a storm here um, that will hit Sunday. So hopefully Southern University, they won't have to alter their game week preparation at all. But it'll be interesting at Troy State. And uh, one of my questions was going to be an early look at Troy State, but you already answered that, Jim, uh, with, with the no huddle offense a, a team from my last account did struggle a bit against the run but again if they want the ball southern university any establishment of the run game and kind of into that time of possession i think that's the goal that, that that southern university wants against troy state and don't turn the football over but time of possession establish the run and play smart. Would you kind of halfway agree with that, Jim? Absolutely. You got it down. Um, yeah, they, you, you, and you got to have depth because you know you're going mm-hmm. to get tired on defense. Defense has got to get off the field. Um, so I think you'll see Southern throw short passes. Uh, I think they'll run some option early in the game. They'll, they'll try to possess the ball. Um, and uh, they're going to have to uh, – they're going to have to protect. You know, they're going to have to – uh, Troy likes to blitz a lot. Uh, they had 66 tackles for loss in 10 games last year. That's that's a pretty high number, 22 sacks. So they're going to be up at the line of scrimmage. They're going to challenge Southern, and Southern's going to have to make them pay for that by hitting a big play. So I think you're going to see Southern go trying to go over the top uh, early in the game too. They're going to maybe you know try to suck them in with the run and short throws. And then go deep, try to hit a big one, and uh, maybe get them to back off a little bit. Well, you're playing up. There's, to me, no pressure for Southern University. You come in, try to execute your game plan. You're not expected to to win, but hey, maybe you can shock the world. But you just want to you want to play up to your capabilities, get in, play well, and then get ready for, for week two. But it starts the Coach Rollins era against Troy State. You're playing up. But uh, just this Southern University football program, program, he inherits a program that is not uh, without talent. You know, championship mode, yes. They have a window for that, yes. Uh, Jim, any closing comments? And uh, once again, appreciate your time as always here on the Coles Brown show. Yeah. Yeah. I like Jason as the coach. He, he recognizes that um, this program has a, has a winning attitude about it. They expect to win. And that, 
you, you can say that and it doesn't sound like much, but that's important. If they expect to win, uh, you, you know, that's, that's part of the battle. If you don't believe, you know, it's easy, it's easy to play poorly and, and, and accept playing poorly, but uh, Southern uh, has a winning attitude. It's got a winning culture. And I think uh, in addition to having the talent and the depth, because they do have it, uh, I, don't know, I don't know what else you need. So um, it's going to be uh, – I expect them to make a good showing against Troy. I, I, I'm, I'm looking for a, a, a good guy. I think, I think they've got a very good chance of winning the game. Well, on that note, we're going to say, yes, we're pulling for Southern University. And, uh, hey – Go in and compete and make a good accounting of yourselves. Jim, appreciate the time as always. Hey, man, stay safe, and uh, we'll talk again real soon. You too, Carlos. Watch out for that uh, for, the, for the flying debris. Yeah, I'm going to do a little last walkthrough after mm-hmm. the show around the perimeter of the, the house. And, uh, hey, then execute the game plan. That's it. That's a game plan. Take care, Jim. You too, Carlos. Thank you for having me. All right. That was Jim Klein. Peter, he covered Southern University Athletics for The Advocate. I'm going to take a time out. When I come back, I'm going to visit with Charles Edmund of the Alcorn State Radio Network live from Atlanta, GA. Charles is, I'm sure, so excited. So excited. He gets a chance to call football game after, what's that, two years? He'll preview Alcorn State and North Carolina Central and the SWAC MEAC Challenge from Atlanta, Georgia. You're watching Coles Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Hear the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Roundtable, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way you consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. The HBCU football experience is back in Atlanta on August 28th. College game day, the Coca-Cola fan experience, the battle of the bands. The Cricket Miak Swag Challenge will have it all. Visit MiakSwagChallenge.com for more information. It's the show where we take you inside the game before the game begins. It's it's the the pregame. With your host, Charles Bishop and Neely. So get ready, because we pregame harder than the other show's party. It's the pregame. Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your fam. Yes, that sound means it's time once again for the 36th annual Labor Day Classic. 
featuring the Prairie View A&M Panthers versus your Texas Southern Tigers for the Battle of the Lone Star State on Saturday, September 4th. Kickoff, 7 p.m. at BBVA Stadium. Don't forget the halftime battle of the bands as the TSU Ocean of Soul take on the PVAMU Marching Storm. Tickets are available online at www.tsusports.com slash LDC tickets. Let's bring the Knicks Durley Traveling Trophy back to its rightful home. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports Network. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Coles Brown Show. Watch exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. Guest number two. Charles Edmund of the Alcorn State Radio Network. I'm sure he's elated because today, tonight, he'll call the Alcorn State North Carolina Central football game. It'll be the first time, I guess, in two years, Charles. Good morning to you from Atlanta, GA. Yeah, good morning from Atlanta, week zero. And to be exact, Carlos, you want to be precise and exact? For Alcorn, it's been 607 days since we played a football game. The 2019 Celebration Bowl, that was 607 days ago. So it's been it's been a minute. I, I know you're excited. You know, hey, you're a veteran broadcaster. So I, I know you're not going to be nervous, but the excitement is there to, to, to do something that you, you love to do. And that's called a, a football game via the radio for Alcorn State. University, Charles. Yeah, it, it, it's taken a minute to, to knock the dust off. You know, I, we were doing some testing of equipment last week, and I forgot how to how to operate some of that stuff. It's the first time I pull it oh, out of the cage. <laughs> you know, I'm just being honest. I, 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 I understand. I yeah, I mean, it's 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 just just to get that going, get that lather going. But uh, I'm all ready to go. You know, it's 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 been a minute. It's been trying. It's been challenging. But uh, here we are. You know, we're gonna have a we're gonna play a football, a college football game today at six o'clock Central Time, and uh, I'm eager to see how long it'll take for these teams to get the lather going because it, there's no question both teams are rusty. It's been 647 days since Central played a football game, so you know there's gonna be nerves, there's gonna be rust. You have to expect that. If anyone sits here and thinks that the Braves are gonna pick right up where they left off, human humanistically. Human nature says probably not going to happen, but I do think this offense will will get it going at some point during the game. Well, Charles, it sounds like with your equipment, you had a little rust to knock off, and so showed the football teams a little rust with North Carolina Central and Alcorn State, but you were able to persevere and get it done. And, that, and that, I guess that's what both teams uh, will, would like to do as far as being off for for literally, I, I'll just say two years around off that number in, in, in two years. With that being said, Charles, um, a first look at uh, North Carolina Central head coach, Coach Oliver. Give us a, a preview of, of North Carolina Central. 
Well, you know, Coach Oliver was at Southern University. He was a safeties coach there on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that's uh, and I think that's going to be one of the big keys in this game. You know, this Braves offense, we know how explosive it, it can be with Felix Harper and Latrell Pringle and a lot of other different weapons, Nico Duffy in the backfield. This North Carolina Central team lost a lot on the back end uh, after 2019. Their sack leader, their interceptions leader, their, their leading guy in tackles. So they lost a lot on defense, but they have a veteran presence up front, and I think that that could very well, you know, balance out. Uh, I I think for this game, if the Braves can pick up where they left off offensively, they scored over 40 points in the Celebration Bowl. If they do that, then I think they'll be fine. Because I just don't. In looking at Central offensively, even two years ago, they did not. They weren't a team that scared you offensively. You know, they had a quarterback uh, that that threw for a couple of thousand yards. You had a running back with three touchdowns. You know, I think they're kind of, you know, dink and dunk type type offense. They're not explosive. At least the numbers don't indicate that. So if the Braves can jump out here, if they can jump out tonight, you know, 14, 21, nothing and make Central play catch up, I think they'll be fine. But, you know, again, Central might be one of those teams. If you let them hang around, you let them get it going, then they, they can find a way. So, you know, we'll see. I think it's the Braves' offense versus uh, Central's defense, I think, will be the key matchup to watch tonight. What would you say, and, and, and listen to Coach Oliver in some interviews, um, he talked about the physical ma- ma- maturity of his team from an offensive standpoint, and he thought offensively this team potentially could be one of the most explosive North Carolina Central uh, university offensive teams in the past few few years what how would you discuss that what do you, what are your thoughts on the potential of North Carolina Central offensively as coach Oliver said the potential to be a very explosive offensive team um I, I think it you know the potential is there but I, I also think that when you're developing an offense especially a young offense that didn't score a lot two years ago the one thing you need is reps, and it's been two years since you've had those reps. So I, I, I understand what he's saying, and I think he knows his offense has got to do better than what it did two years ago, and he feels like he's got the pieces at quarterback and running back to do that. Uh, I think, you know, up front, they have a veteran bunch up front, and you always talk about the trenches, Carlos. I think in the trenches, that offensive line can hold up, and if they can hold up and, and open some lanes – uh, give their quarterback an opportunity to throw the football down the field, they could put up uh, a, a lot of points. But just statistically, and, it, and this is a challenge because we haven't played in almost two years. Central hasn't played in almost two years. It's hard to kind of get a read on, on on what could happen because it's been a while since these two teams have played. But you just look at, you know, the last bit of data you have on both these teams the numbers would suggest that Central just is a team that just doesn't score a lot of points. They're not like they're they're not like North Carolina A and T or or a Bethune or a Florida A and M. They just they're just not that they're just not that team. So the numbers indicate they don't score a lot. And if if they do increase that increase that offensive productivity, that means the Braves are really going to have to get it going offensively. I'm busy with Charles Edmond of the uh, Alcorn State Radio Network. Atlanta, Georgia, site of the SWAC, Alcorn State, and North Carolina Central. Um, Alcorn State, biggest takeaway from fall camp, 
goals, benchmarks, were they able to accomplish that and, and kind of preview Alcorn going into, into this ball game uh, tonight? You know, coming out of camp, watching this team throughout the course of camp, it was a very businesslike approach. Uh, not overly excited or overly hyped. I think, you know, some of the coaches were worried about this team being just too geeked up and too hyped up because they hadn't played in almost two years. But just being out at practice, watching a couple of scrimmages, you just never got that impression. Uh, I do think that the hunger is in their belly because the team that they need to catch in the division is UAPB because we are now a member of the West. And as far as the SWAC championship goes, the, the champions are in Huntsville, Alabama. So I, I, I think the hunger is there. The fire is there. But in terms of being too geeked up because they haven't played, I never got that sense. With Fred McNair, you know it's a business-like approach. You've talked with him. It's all about business with Coach McNair. He can laugh and smile and joke you know, from time to time. But it's all about business. And that's what this team has, has been about. It's been about business. Uh, you know, the biggest question, you know, coming out of camp, was who's going to be the backup quarterback for the Braves, you know, and that question definitely uh, has been answered and you know, we'll get a good look at that tonight in terms of who the backup quarterback is. Those questions really weren't answered. And even coach McNair said the other night, it was still up for grabs up a part of this week. And so that's an, that's an interesting development that, uh, that we had. That was a, a, an intense quarterback battle for the backup position. So it just shows you how, you know, you want to vet that and make sure you make the right decision. There were four other guys vetting for that. So, uh, you know, we'll, you know, we'll see how that plays out tonight. But, uh, you know, hopefully Felix Harper can uh, get it going. But definitely one of the biggest battles in camp was the backup quarterback position. And, Charles, you know, you could say that about not only the quarterback position because uh, my theory is, and, and I think it's been tried and proven, that coaches know basically who their starters are early on in fall camp, especially if you have a lot of returning players. You, you still want to see competition, though. And those backups are so important. What, you're one injury away in, in mm-hmm. most cases? And, you know, not – you you want to see which backups can kind of step into that number one position if called on to do so and being able to accomplish that, that, that role and, and do it well. So – with that being said, tremendous battles for number two twos across the board. Absolutely, and and just just for those who might not know, our backup quarterback is a Memphis transfer, Markavian Quinn. Um, you kind of heard his name mentioned throughout the course of camp when he stepped on campus. You kind of heard that he really surprised a lot of people, really wowed a lot of people. But you know, with with these coaches, it's all about what you do on the field, you know, what you see, what you hear in the hype. It's all about business. I mean, we know that. And look how many division titles we won. I mean, you go all the way back to John Gibbs. He got hurt. Uh, uh, Lenore Footman came in. He got hurt. Then Noah Johnson, he got – I mean, so you just go – these these coaches know, you know, it's, it's all about business. And right now, Quinn is the guy that has stepped up a Memphis transfer. Obviously, he's got the experience. Um, I also think, though, that you, you look at some of the backup, you know, running backs, Nico Duffy, we're going to get a lot of him tonight. You know, you look at Jonathan Bolton, but then there's a kid from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, in Alabama's backyard named Javante Leatherwood. He's a freshman from Tuscaloosa. You heard a lot about him in the spring when we signed him, that he was going to be a beast. So he's going to be a guy that's going to get a bunch of carries 
uh, tonight in, in that role. So I, I honestly think, Carlos, there were some good battles for the number twos. We kind of knew who the number ones were, running back, quarterback. But the number twos, because you're one play away, as we all – I mean, it's a dead horse statement, but it's definitely true. You're one play away from coming in. And I, I think the coaches feel comfortable in terms of the twos and even some of the threes, if need be. Yeah. I'm visiting with Charles Edmond of the Alcorn State Radio Network, live from Atlanta, Georgia, SWAC MEAC Challenge, tonight, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time on Charles ESPN2, correct? Or is it ESPN? No, it's going to be on ESPN. If you got Direct TV Channel 206. I'm trying to put you on ESPN too, and it's on ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and speaking of game day, have you been? Have you had a chance to kind of soak in maybe the game day atmosphere um, in, in Atlanta? Weather, all of that good stuff, fan participation. Well, I got. A, I wasn't at the game day today, but I got a chance to uh, look at all the pictures and video, and it looked pretty electric. Um, you know, you saw the bands out there, a lot of fans, a lot of our fans with the signs. And so it, it, it clearly was, was something special, something that, as Jay Walker said, is long overdue. And uh, just to be able to, you know, put our teams on the map, put the SWAC on the map, put the MIAC on the map as far as game day, it was, it was, it was pretty special. And I was at the stadium yesterday um, as they were setting up. And it's, and it's definitely a different, you know, different feel. You know, that ballpark was the old Turner ballpark where the Atlanta Braves used to play their baseball games, configured into a football facility. Um, so, it, you know, it's just, it's just to have football again. I mean, just that feel of, of watching a football field from the press box and just, you know, just doing all those things that you do. Then you had game day to it. Then you had first take yesterday. And then you had Good Morning America. We had you know, you saw the segment with Coach McNair, Felix Harper, and with Charles Pringle on Good Morning America. I mean, it was pretty electric around here. Our fans have been here. They'll, they'll be in there tonight. So it, it's, it's really something special. And I'm glad we have, you know, college football back. Glad that we're back. And uh, hopefully, if we do all the right things, we can have a good, uh, successful season. Charles, so speaking of uh, the atmosphere there, Put you on the spot a little bit. You know, I'm known to do that from time to time. <laughs> estimation. Give me an estimation of the crowd, you think. Uh, I'm going to say probably about 15,000. Okay. I'm going to say about 15,000. I mean, we, we still are dealing with a pandemic. And I've read up a lot of the comments. A lot of folks wish they were here. A lot of the older folks and a lot of folks in general just say they just can't risk it right now, and you respect that. Um, I think under normal circumstances, you probably would have a lot more. You probably would have twice that. You know, we've had 30-plus at the Celebration Bowl. Um, so I, I, I would say about 15, um, and, and that would be great. That would be great if, if that is the case, considering we haven't played in a couple of years neither Central. So That'll be my prediction, um, and, and I, I hope I'm I hope I'm right in that. I hope I'm wrong, and maybe I'll undercut it a little bit. Maybe there'll be some more. Maybe there'll be more than that. But you know, we talked with John Grant. Ticket sales were, were were going well, and again, we want to stress the importance. Even though it'll be a good crowd, I think watch the game. John Grant talks about the eyeballs versus the fans in the stands. It's all about the eyeballs and getting the ratings up 
and keeping the game on the ESPN platform. So that's very important. Well stated. Understand. Visiting with Charles Edmond of the Alcorn State Radio Network. Appreciate his time on a busy Saturday for him. You can smell it in the air. Now you'll be able to see it. It's uh, football season. Week zero. Keys to victory, Charles, for Alcorn State. If they are to win this football game, what will be three keys to victory? Well, one thing that we have not talked about is, you know, we've had an all-conference kicker for three years. He's no longer here. That's going to be key, I think, one of the keys. We've got this kid, uh, Ruben Bolpoin, who will be our kicker. We're going to have a place kicker and a punter. We're going to have two kickers. In years past, we've only had one. We've only needed one. But we'll have two. I think that's going to be key. First game, nerves. How will the field be flipped in terms of punting? and field goal kicking and PATs, that will be important. But I'm, I think the biggest thing, I just I go back to what we talked about at the top, this North Carolina Central defense lost a lot. And I think if the Braves can get it going early, put Central on their heels and make them score the football, which they didn't do two years ago, I think the Braves will win this game. However, as I've seen with high school football, it can get sloppy in that first game. What you don't want is turnovers and mistakes and, and flipping the field against you and giving a team like Central. I mean, two, two years ago, they were four and eight, three and five in the MEAC, so they haven't had a lot of success. If, if you give them confidence, and we've seen that thing take off on you, you give them confidence and they'll figure some things out. So I think the key for me is Alcorn's offense versus Central's defense, because if you put them you put them against the scoreboard and make them score points. I just don't see them being able to put a lot of points on the board. Somehow, Charles, I, I really believe, with that being said, I just bet North Carolina Central would like to establish the run and kind of eat the time of possession up, control that to keep. And the interesting thing about Alcorn State, we go back to 2019, quarterback injury, Noah Johnson. Then you get Phyllis Harper in. I'm still giving kudos to Alcorn to be able, not in three or four games, but instantly be able to evolve that offense to what Phyllis Harper can do. And now to me, Alcorn became – it's more explosive to a certain extent. And then also run. They've always been run oriented, but then they were able to pass the ball effectively. So to me, Alcorn is the essence of balance to me. And I'll see if they'll be able to continue that. But North Carolina Central, I believe, will really like to eat that time of possession, control it, and try to keep Alcorn's explosive offense off the field. You, you, uh, you agree, Charles, or am I off base on that? Oh, I absolutely agree. I mean, when, when you're a team that's not used to scoring a ton of points, the one thing you want to do is work the clock, as they say in basketball. You know, you, you want to get a lead and then you want to milk it. I mean, you, you look at their running game, Isaiah Totten, you know, he had he averaged four yards per carry. He had uh, three touchdowns two years ago. So their team, I mean, so that's not a lot of, a lot of good numbers, but when you're playing ball control, averaging four yards a carry is not bad at all. And so I, I think that's going to be that's going to be the key. I, I think Central's the underdog. I was looking at something on Twitter just a few minutes ago. They're 
mean, if you're a betting man or not, but they're a 15-point underdog in this game. And you know, according according to Vegas, I mean, I know for those who don't bet, but that's kind of that's kind of what 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 that amounts to. They're a big underdog. Everyone's talking about Alcorn. No one's talking about the Eagles. So I I think for the Braves, they've got to they've got to get out of the gates and then kind of you know make Central think a little bit and do things that they're not comfortable in doing. But you fall behind. You know, if you let them control the clock, you're not going to have many possessions. It's going to be like one of those games in which you won't have a lot of possession to get things done, even though Central's lost a lot on that defense. But what you don't want to do is fall behind and give them confidence to let them milk the clock and take the ball away from you. Play keep away, as I like to say. I, I think you're exactly right. Let me see if I can um, get AD to – got a question for you, Charles, off of Facebook. AD, let me know if you can um, give us that question. There you go. Good morning. Well, afternoon to you, AD. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, this question is for Charles. This is from our Facebook page, and this is from Dwight Moore, Charles. Uh, how how will we get a get a uh, well? Let me sum it up. Are there any plans to play the backup quarterback tonight? Um, I do. I don't think so, um, unless we have a big lead. I mean, if we get a big lead, then I can see that happening. But Felix Harper, you know, they call him Trigger Man, and if if we do what we can do, and if we pick up where we left off, get a big lead, yes, we will see. We will see our backup quarterback, our Memphis transfer that everyone's been talking about. But I expect Felix Harper to get a lot of time. He needs that because he hadn't played in two years. And this offense is just tailor-made for him. You know, guys, he's a guy that hangs in the pocket. He's going to run the play until it's over. I mean, he's going he's gonna to go through all the progressions. Now, we know Noah Johnson, the previous quarterback, had the longest run in school history, 91 yards. But Noah Johnson had happy feet at times. Not saying that was a bad thing. But Felix Harper's going to take some shots and stand in there. And uh, you saw that last year at times, Carlos. But to answer the question, I expect Felix Harper to get every snap tonight unless we're up five touchdowns with five minutes left. I mean, that, that sounds great in theory, but uh, I, I think that, you, you know, the answer to the question, no, I, I don't expect backup to play tonight unless Felix Harper gets hurt or unless we have a big lead. Well, thanks for answering that, Charles, and um, thanks for the time. I know you have a busy, busy day in Atlanta and, and night. So with that being said, we appreciate the time. Stay safe. Continue to stay safe, and uh, I'll, I'll chime in, which means I'll listen in to you and then have the sound down on ESPN, not ESPN2. <laughs> for Alcorn State, North Carolina Central. I appreciate that, and uh, our thoughts and prayers with with you and your family and everyone in, in this uh, in our in Louisiana, Mississippi. We got a monster coming here, and just just be safe and uh, be aware of what's going on. Well said. Appreciate the time, Charles. Take care. All right, that was Charles Evan of the Alcorn State Radio Network, kind of previewing. Uh, Swack Miak Challenge football game, Alcorn State in North Carolina Central, 6 p.m. 
Central Standard Time on ESPN, not ESPN2. I have to make that adjustment. I'm going to take the time out. When I come back, I'll visit with Brandon B.J. Jones of the HBCU Sports Lounge. New show on the Black College Sports Network. He joins me next. I'll be right back. You're watching the Carlos Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. Your ad could be ran here. MyJBN.com backslash support. MyJBN.com backslash support for more information. The inaugural Boeing Red Tails Classic is personal to me. It's more than a matchup between Tuskegee University and Fort Valley State University. My beloved father, Colonel Lawrence E. Roberts, was a proud member of the Tuskegee Airmen. 922 brave pilots, also known as the Red Tails, fought in World War II. The Boeing Red Tails Classic is more than a celebration of HBCUs. It's a reminder of the Tuskegee Airmen's valor and sacrifice, the first class of black fighter pilots who trained at Tuskegee Institute in Alabama during the height of Jim Crow, fighting for America, while in many ways, America fought right back against them. This inaugural Boeing Red Tails Classic, this football game, is for them. And it's quite special that this game, which will be played at the Crampton Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama, opens the 2021 college football season on Sunday, September 5th at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPNU. When you watch this game, please remember its larger meaning, that it's for a group who advocated for themselves while still facing prejudice and discrimination in the segregated army. The Tuskegee Airmen story hardly gets told enough. I, proud daughter of a Tuskegee Airman, join others who champion their legacy and how they influence generations of black cultural and political leaders. My grandfather was a case in that study. He worked as a firefighter where the Tuskegee Airmen trained. He and I were phenomenally close. The syphilis study happened for 40 years. Penicillin was found to be the most effective treatment, but the men were denied the treatment. Interestingly enough, I've had someone tell me that they were concerned about getting the vaccine because of the syphilis study. And I always, you know, try to educate or provide some information about what happened. But then I said, you're talking about something that happened to my family. And I've taken both of my vaccines. I'm doing this for them. Health is greater than wealth. And it's really up to us to take ownership of our health and the story. Texas Southern takes on Prairie View A&M for the Nick Gurley Traveling Trophy and the Labor Day Classic on September 4th. Tickets available online at tsusports.com slash tickets. Your ad could... Welcome back to this week's edition of the Carlos Brown Show, watched exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. Now I'm going to visit with Brandon B.J. Jones. B.J., good morning. I want you to introduce 
your new show. You have the flow, sir. Oh, man. Well, good morning, Carlos, man. Uh, I am the host of Inside HBCU Football right here on the uh, Black College Sports Network. So uh, we did a little trial run on Wednesday. Got a lot of positive feedback. People were very excited. Uh, got an exciting show coming for you guys on uh, this upcoming Wednesday. But just tune in, man, to support. Yeah, absolutely right. And uh, got a chance to see a little bit of it. Outstanding. Hey, the, the Carlos Brown shows football analysts. Brandon, <laughs> how about that? Yeah. So with that being said, um, BJ, we were talking before we started this segment. And, and once again, I, I just want to not put it as, as a panic, but of course in Louisiana specifically, Outlying areas, Mississippi, uh, Hurricane Ida, and it's um, never underestimate those storms. I've been here all of my life, a long time, BJ. You know, <laughs> never underestimate those those type of storms, and I don't think you ever get used to it. You played collegially in, in Southern University in Baton Rouge, so you very you very well know about how you have to take this this storm very seriously. Yeah, I mean, up until uh, I got to Baton Rouge in 2003, I had little to no experience with uh, hurricanes. You know, being born in, in Arlington, Texas, and then, you know, uh, growing up in my latter years in Birmingham, Alabama, you know, our thing was uh, always tornadoes. Uh, but learning really quick, you know, just the severity of uh, hurricanes and how devastating they can be. And uh, being at Southern University in 2005 when Hurricane uh, Katrina hit. Uh, and something that I would never forget. Uh, those days leading up to Katrina and, you know, the weeks and months afterwards, man, I was just, I'm just not have gotten to the point maybe in the last three years where I can talk about Katrina without choking up and, you know, I can actually talk about it. I understand. It's a tragic storm and, and there have been storms and, you know, you you you're used to it, but then you're not. If you understand what I'm saying, you never you never like them, but you know you got to have a, a game plan, and you hopefully you can you, you'll be able to execute the game plan. And then just like a football game, you can have a great game plan, but sometimes you have to make adjustments, mm -hmm. and sometimes you 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 can't wait to halftime. You may have to make an adjustment in the first quarter. So once again, uh, you know, just keep this area in in your prayers, at the end of the day, everything will be all right. With that being said, BJ, Swag Miak Challenge coming up is week zero. There are other football games. Uh, there's Central State and Kentucky State, and then also Edward Waters and uh, Florida Memorial. But um, get your thoughts, first thoughts, early look before the game, Swag Miak Challenge, Allcorn State and North Carolina Central. You know, I said originally this week, you know, I like Alcorn to cover that, you know, that 13-point line. I, I think you take Alcorn with the points, it, there's, there's just so much on that Alcorn offense, from, from Nico Duffy to Felix Harper, uh, Charles Pringle. My only question about Alcorn is, how do they replace those starters on the offensive line that they lost in 2019? Uh, they're having to retool that offensive line. If they can retool that offensive line, because the strength of, of North Carolina Central is that defense, if they can retool that offensive line, 
keep Felix Harper upright, keep him in the pocket. It could be a long day uh, for the Eagles from Durham. Uh, I think one of the, the key factors in this game is going to be Isaiah Titan, a running back from North Carolina Central, has been the starting running back there since uh, his freshman year. Uh, he was a MEAC newcomer of the year a while back, uh, first team all MEAC. He's an outstanding running back, and, and I think that he can play himself into the draft, the draft conversation uh, starting tonight. He has that type of talent, uh, one of the better running backs uh, that you will see in the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. I, I, I kind of ran this by Charles Edmund and um, North Carolina Central. Do you think it would be to their advantage to control the time of possession? And in that way, if they, they're able to do that and to kind of keep, and we're basing this on, of course, 2019, be able to keep all corn states offense off the field and limit their, their number of touches? Yes. I think if you're North Carolina Central, that's what you need to do. Uh, they have a young quarterback, but he's experienced. He he was he started as a true freshman there, um, Richard. Uh, threw for over 2,000 yards, 12 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Uh, he returned. Um, you know, I think he's matured as a, as a passer, but he ain't played in two years. Um, so I think, you know, one of the things that you, you do to eliminate mistakes, keep that ball on the ground, and you have the running back to be able to do it. Uh, and they also have a transfer running back, four-star from Oregon. Um, so they have the, the horses in the stable uh, to be able uh, to play that, 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 that ground control and, and run the football, and they return three, or five, uh, three of the five offensive linemen up front. So, you know, they, 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 they have a senior – you know, uh, offensive line with some experience. Take advantage of that. And Coach Oliver basically said this offense potentially could be one of the most explosive offenses that that, that North Carolina Central has had in, in a few years. What do you think of the, about that statement that Coach Oliver uh, basically made about the potential potential of his offensive ball club? I'm going to be honest with you. That's not really saying a lot. All right. I know Malcolm Bell was a bad boy uh, from North Carolina Central uh, a while back. Um, that offense uh, that he had back then, that offense w- was solid. But North Carolina Central at that time won games on the defensive side of the football. Uh, if you look at you remember that celebration bowl against Gremlin, that 10-9 game, it was that defense that c- completely just stifled Gremlin. A Gremlin only scored 10 points, the lowest uh, scoring output of, of the year. Uh, but they can only muster nine points. All right? So that's not really saying a lot. All right? All right? <laughs> keep, keep that in mind. When, you, when we talk about explosive North Carolina Central uh, offenses, you almost have to go back to the days uh, of Coach Rob Broadway, uh, back when, when uh, North Carolina Central was Division II. Uh, and, and even then, that, that North Carolina Central team has always been led by defense. If you look at their, their identity and what they've been, North Carolina Central has been a football team that wins on the defensive side of football, and they get, they get just enough offense. But defensively, that's where North Carolina Central is. That, that's their brain. So, in other words, BJ, Coach Alvarez, I'm not going to say trying to pull wool over someone's eyes, but he, he did say potentially offensively, but you're, you're, you're calling his bluff on that one. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it might be. 
Yeah, it might be if they can if they can could score and, and move the ball and be one of the top rated offenses in in, in the MEAC. That, that's light years compared to where they usually they usually like in the, in, the, in the middle tier. Uh, when you think of North Carolina Central, you don't really think of uh, you know explosive offenses. Right. So, will it be North Carolina Central's defense versus Alcorn State's offense? How do you see that matchup going? You know what, North Carolina Central defensively, they finished in the top 30 in so many different different uh, categories. Number one in takeaways in the MEAC, number one in pass yards allowed. Uh, you know, they were one, you know, one, three in all the major categories as far as defense. Problem is, you only returned four starters on the defensive side of the football, uh, and then you lost uh, one of the biggest playmakers who is now playing, uh, you know, in the NFL. Uh, now that defense is young, all right? You, you only return four starters. You're bringing in some new guys. Uh, we'll see. Uh, this is a game that you want that offense to be able to control the football and not put so much pressure on that young defensive squad. Well, BJ, you're the analyst. And I said a double-digit victory for all Corn State. And I thought maybe I, I was being a little bit too uh, too confident. But now, listening to you, I think that's <laughs> I, I, I stand by my prediction. <laughs> With that being said, but hey, that's just predictions now. It's got to be played on the field, correct? Yeah. And uh, it, it'll be a lot of intangibles that's going in, but uh, those are just a, a, a couple of intangibles and, and perspectives from uh, Brandon B.J. Jones. B.J., other FCS HBCU football games that that catch that catches your eye. Um, starting next week, man. It's it's it's, it's you know, Jackson State of family. Uh, we've talked about the importance of that ball game and uh, what that can do potentially uh, in the the race for the Celebration Bowl, the race for the SWAC Championship game. Uh, the winner uh, is already sitting in the catbird seat. The loser already sitting two games back. Uh, before we even get to the second week, week of September. Uh, that one's big. Um, I think another one uh, that may go under the radar is uh, Bowie State versus Delaware State. We talked about mm. in the spring of how much better does the Hornets from Delaware State, uh, how much better they've looked. Well, they played Bowie State, who was ranked uh, in the Division Two polls, one of the best HBCU programs over the last two to three years uh, predicted to win the CIAA again. Delaware State hosts Bowie State. Bowie State can make a strong statement uh, by getting upset over Delaware State, but Delaware State can make a statement that they are here and they can be a contender by beating Bowie State. You know, it's not often you see a Division II team this strong coming into, uh, you know, the season, but and that that's when I, I got another kind of circle. Um, and, and then South Carolina State at Alabama A&M. South Carolina State says that the spring was anonymous. Uh, when they played Alabama A&M, they were missing some pieces. They're back uh, full speed. Alabama A&M embarrassed South Carolina State in Orangeburg. All right. Now they make the return trip. They go to normal Alabama on the Lewis Cruz Classic. Alabama A&M gets to make a statement early, or South Carolina State can make a statement early. South Carolina State predicted by a lot, by many, to win the MEAC and go into the Celebration Bowl. Alabama a and wants to prove that the spring was no fluke. 
So I think those are three uh, of the games that, that, that I'm looking at um, as far as those key games. Also, Grambling State, Tennessee State, up in Canton, Ohio, the start of the Eddie Jones regime. Uh, I'm sorry, Eddie George regime. Uh, what does that football team look like compared to what that football team looked like under Rod Reed uh, for the last decade? Uh, and Grambling, you know the spring that they had, very disappointing. Uh, is the hot seat on uh, Broderick Fox? I, I said this on a Wednesday, and I'll say it again. Grambling fans are willing to forget the spring. They ain't going to forget the fall. Ooh. They're not going to forget the fall. So it's going to be key for Grambling to get off on the right foot against Tennessee State. And you know, BJ, let, let's see if you remember this. We both were together, standing, and we're talking over to Grambling State and Coach Fogs at SWAC Football Media Day. Do you kind of remember or summarize what, what Coach Fogs told us about the spring and going into the fall? Uh, into the fall? Do you kind of remember? Oh, I remember everything. <laughs> he said, you know, don't get too stuck on the spring. They were just trying to make it. You know, Grambling was just trying to make it. Uh, that's not who they are. And if you know anything about Grambling, we're not down for long. His exact words. Uh, and, you know, uh, Coach Fobbs knows both of us, and he knows we're Southern guys. So, you know, <laughs> might be another reason why he talked to us for so long. But he wanted us to know that. Uh, you know, he wanted us to know that. You know, Broderick Fobbs, you know, uh, you know, one of the one of my good friends in, in the business, and, uh, you know, I, I think the world loves him. Uh, but he was strong in that. Uh, and if you look at that roster, they've, they've been able to retool a little bit. Uh, the coach, and I believe him. Grambling will learn the fall than what they did. In the and, and, and I think that they might not go to the show, but I think they may stop some people from going. Yeah, and I look at Grambling. I believe it's a winnable game, correct? Yes. And then they play up FBS the next two weeks. So, you know, they could be a better team. The record may not show. They have a tough schedule, but can't every team say that they have just a tone in this voice? We're not going to be down long, and that just kind of it's kind of stuck with me. Uh, look at, at, look at look, football media day. Yeah, look after those FBS games. Look at that next four to five game stretch for Grambling. That's going to be their season because uh, <laughs> you got Prairie View uh, sandwiched in there. You got Alcorn sandwiched in there. Uh, you, yeah, that those games right after those FBS contests. That's the meat of the schedule right there for Grambling. That's going to tell you everything that you need to know. Yeah, and that's why back to what what I said, it could be better indicated because they do have uh, some tough uh, ball games. You, you, BJ, you kind of took an early look at week one of HBCU football games. Well, let me do this. Then Texas Southern and, and, and Prairie View. Texas Southern, Coach McKinnon, have not won a game. Who's the most pressure on? Who has the most pressure in that ball game? Is it Texas Southern to not only win but win win a game on Prairie View with Coach Dooley and some Prairie View alums are, are very restless uh, about 
the Prairie View football program? I would say that Eric Dooley is up under the most pressure. Uh, honestly, I would say both of them. But I would say Eric Dooley is up under the most pressure uh, because of that roster. Uh, I, I will continue to harp on this fact. I can make an argument that Prairie View has had the most talented roster in the SWAC for the last two seasons, 2018-2019. You'll be hard-pressed to argue against that. If you look at the individual talent on that roster, that talent has not yielded you a SWAC championship. That talent has two consecutive losses to Jackson State, um, two consecutive losses to Southern, uh, and the only real game that you can really hang your hat on is beating Grammy. Um, Prairie View people are restless. They didn't bring Eric Dooley into Prairie View to have winning seasons. They brought him in there to compete for the conference title. And to be honest, Prairie View is not doing it. Uh, so I think if you look, were to lose to Texas Southern, who has not won a conference game, I think since 2018, early 2018, uh, yeah, uh, there might be some tiki torches and there might be some other things uh, marching along, <laughs> marching on the road to Prairie View, uh, asking for some changes to be made. You, they don't like losing the Texas Southern, but you can't lose this Texas Southern team, especially not this one. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to say Eric Dooley in Prairie View. I, I would agree, and one would say maybe underachieved. Mm-hmm. That's the word for Prairie View and them. Um, uh, football program. And, and of course, we both know Coach Dooley uh, very well. Nice individual, nice coach, especially known as an offensive guru. But at the end of the day, you have to show progress and you have to have done better. Yeah. No divisional championship. Of course, no overall swag championship. So I, 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 I would. Uh, agree, BJ. Um, tell us a little bit more about your show that's coming up on Wednesday. A, a sneak oh. preview. You don't have to. You don't have to give it all out. So we'll tune in to watch. Man, so we are heavy man recapping uh, today. The MEAC SWAC Challenge, also uh, Elwood Waters Fall Memorial, uh, Central State, Kentucky State, up in up in the the shoe. Uh, and then really diving into week one. Uh, diving into week one, some some key matchups in HBCU uh, across the HBCU football uh, landscape. Uh, man, it it I mean we we going full blast, man. We we'll have a few guests on, uh, still working on that. Uh, we'll get a guest list out there uh, probably Wednesday morning, Tuesday night. Uh, but yeah, it, it it it's gonna be fun, man. It's week one. Uh, going to have a lot of fun to it, and actually looking forward to. It. Hopefully, I'll be in. 100% shape for next Saturday. We'll see what Hurricane Ida has to say about uh, starting this this Sunday. But uh, week zero today, week one, some tremendous games. Of course, if you're a Southern fan, Southern at Troy State, and, and, and BJ, they, they, they're playing up. But talking to people, they just want to see a competitive game and be competitive, they will be disappointed if it's a 40-point loss. But I just really don't think that's going to be, be the case. It's a new mindset. It's a new day with, with, with Coach Coach Rollins. W- would you agree? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I think that um, 
you know, with, you know, with um, Southern going to Troy, I've talked to some Troy people and they're a little nervous. Uh, this is not the Troy that Neil Brown left uh, when he left and went to West Virginia. Um, you know, they, they have not been winning to the level that they would like to win. Uh, matter of fact, this program has, has taken a step back. Um, but, um, you know, Troy people are a little bit nervous. And, and I will say this. I think that this is a prime year for the SWAC to get one of those FBS wins. You're looking at Southern Troy. Alcorn goes to South Alabama, who is not a good football program. Um, and, and I think that's in two or three weeks. Um, FAMU plays South Florida, who is not a good football program. Um, I think there will be some opportunities for the SWAC to not only get some non-conference FCS wins, but potentially knock off an FBS squad, which is something that the SWAC has not done since the mid-80s. So I, I think that this is an opportunity uh, with who's scheduled and where those programs are currently. So I think this, this, this could be a key year uh, to have that for the conference. And what better year than the year that the conference celebrates uh, the 100th anniversary uh, you know, the centennial year of the conference, which is actually last year, but celebrating it this year. What bigger way with FAMU and Bethune could be coming in and Deion Sanders and all the things that we've been hyped about? What, 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 there's no better time to do it than right now. Yeah, and I'm, I especially have a couple of games uh, Circle, Southern hosting McNeese, and then Alcorn State hosting Northwestern State. You know, playing those. FCS Southland Conference teams just mm-hmm. got to do better. You got to continuously play those teams and and win for many reasons. One being recruiting and then two, pride. Mm-hmm. That's still also, a good thing there. And also votes, top 25 votes. What yeah, impacts the top 25? That down. Yeah, and what, what impacts the top 25? I've been a voter on the top 25 poll now for ooh, four consecutive years. When you get into those meetings, you know, those conference calls, and you, you're breaking down the votes, it's all about the strength of your conference. And the, the best way to prove the strength of your conference is to step outside the conference and win. And when you don't do, do that, people discredit your wins because your conference hadn't done much outside of itself. So that's another reason. Okay, not that you don't have enough pressure, Southern and Alcorn. We're counting on you. <laughs> and, 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 BJ, uh, uh, am I missing another matchup? This want to make sure with uh, a Swag Southland matchup. Southern will play uh, McNeese. Alcorn has Northwestern State. Prairie has a couple of those games as well. Uh, Don't forget so somebody. This, uh, so this uh, Texas Southern, uh, you have, let me see, Fam, you steps out against South Carolina State. So does uh, Bethune-Cookman. Um, I, I think that We'll have um, Valley with Murray State uh, and a few others. So, yeah, we, we have a few of them, Arkansas Pine Bluff and UCA. Um, so, yeah, we have a couple of them uh, across the conference. I'll put it this way. There is an excellent opportunity to, to, to get a win. The opportunity is there. So thanks for that reminder, uh, BJ. Hey, man, be safe. We appreciate the time as always. And, uh, hey, we'll talk with you next week. We'll have recap of week zero, then preview week one. It's football time. It's here. Absolutely, man. And sending my prayers and thoughts 
Uh, to everyone down in Louisiana, man, you guys be careful, man. Be smart. Uh, we praying for the the absolute best outcomes. You guys stay 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 safe, and man, we 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 praying for you, man. I appreciate it. We will survive. All right. Take care, BJ. All right. All right. That was BJ Jones of Inside HBCU Football and Show on the Black College Sports Network on Wednesdays, 6 p.m. With that being said, let me take a time out when I come back. Call, Carlos, before we go to break, I want to okay. tease something out. Okay. I want people to do a little bit of homework during this break. I want them to tell me what North Carolina A&T has in common with the two opponents in today's BAC SWAC Challenge. Once Speak again, again, what does North Carolina A&T have in common with today's opponents in the BAC SWAC Challenge? Now you can take us the break. All right, that was AD. You didn't see him, but you could hear him. But he's going to join me next. We got a poll to uh, un unveil. And you know what? Most polls, you try to be objective, and that is the goal. But I'll tell you what, what it does, it will bring on discussion. So when I come back, we're going to put that poll up for you and see what you think. Take a break. You're watching the Coles Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. I'll be right back. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Let's get back to getting ticks instead of watching flicks. Before we can safely get out there, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your crew. Ladies and Zero Sugar, Sunday, August 29th, 4 o'clock, NRG Stadium in Houston, featuring the hottest HBCU marching bands, Southern University, Lexington University, Tennessee State, Northern State, North Carolina A&T State, Texas Southern, Bethune-Cookman, and Jackson State. Don't miss the battle on the field and the stands with scholarships. Over $500,000 in counting for our HBCUs. It's an HBCU experience you don't want to miss with a weekend of activities with the Cracker Barrel Step and Stroll. Pepsi Zero Sugar Emerging Experience, Esports Got it. Hey, what's going on? Hey. Let me get a now bar. Sure. One dollar. Appreciate you. Got it. 
HBCU football experience is back in Atlanta on August 28th. College game day, the Coca-Cola fan experience, the battle of the bands, the Cricket Miak Swag Challenge will have it all. Visit MiakSwagChallenge.com for more information. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you guys, you guys do for us. Southern takes on Prairie View A&M for the Nate Gurley Traveling Trophy and the Labor Day Classic on September 4th. Tickets available online at tsusports.com slash tickets. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at mybcsn1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at mybcsn1. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making Welcome back to this week's edition of the Carlos Brown Show. Watched exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. I'm joined now by A.D. Drew of Black College Sports Network Sports Wrap. And and let me do this. Marlon says to our kind of trivia question that A.D. threw out, and believe it or not, it Kind of stumped me a little bit there. But here we go. Marlon says North Carolina ENT played in the Celebration Bowl against Alcorn State. And North Carolina Central is North Carolina ENT's rival. AD, is he is he close? Is he close? Boy, he is in the ballpark. He is okay. definitely in the ballpark. Also, Dwight Moore says all three have him played since fall 2019, which mm. is in the ballpark. Also, uh, Mr. Moore. So what's your guess, Carlos? What what did I say during the break? <laughs> Somehow now I can't remember uh what I said. You said is you said I something have... about uh uh you mentioned A and T and Alcorn in the celebration bowl but I can't remember what you said about Central and A&T. Well, oh, I, I think that I, I said North Carolina A&T uh, has a winning streak against yeah. Alcorn State and North Carolina Central. Which, which which is correct. All three are correct. But but the thing that I was looking for in this in this question was the fact that the last two times that we saw Central and Alcorn on the field, they were getting blown out by North Carolina A&T. Central losing to A&T in the Aggie Eagle Classic, 54-0 in November of 2019. Alcorn losing to uh, Alcorn losing to A&T in the Celebration Bowl by the basketball score of 64-44. In Atlanta. 
AD, I think I should get partial credit for that. Oh, er, 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 everybody gets partial credit. Everybody gets a B. Uh, if we were using Dr. Cavill's platform, I would give you. I would give <laughs> he's you a, a tough D. grader. You credit for the answer. Yeah. Oh, but he, he's fair. But he's a tough. He, he grades tough. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, welcome back to this last segment of the Carlos Brown Show here on the Black College Sports Network. A visit with my colleague Ad Drew, and Ad. There's a poll that debuted this week and if you can do the honors we'll have a we'll have a discussion on that poll and you know i i say use the word objectivity that's what we're looking for but also discussion is also important all right this so, poll is a poll of media hbcu media members from throughout the nation uh there are voters in Louisiana, with yourself being a voter, uh, Carlos, Texas, Georgia, Florida, Carolinas, um, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and I know I'm missing a state or two as as I'm going around the the nation on this uh in, on this poll. So these are people who cover and follow HBCU sports specifically so they have released a top five well we have released a top five via the hbcu pro sports media association for what we consider mid-major teams those are your division two naia and non-division one independents and for the major teams which are your BAC teams your swac teams and your three fcs independents being north carolina a&t tennessee state in Hampton. So without further ado, in the mid-major poll, we have Bowie State as the unanimous number one choice. Everyone voted for Bowie State for some reason. Maybe the fact that they haven't lost a conference game in two years uh, might might have something to do with it and two consecutive playoff appearances. Uh, Miles comes in at number two with a just edging Savannah State with Virginia State and Albany State ballot out for the four or five slot. Uh, Carlos, your your view, your opinions on this poll? Well, I always look for an area where maybe I can disagree. But guess what? This mid-major division, Bowie State, tremendous success. And when I think of Bowie State, I think of offensive explosion. Miles has had tremendous success, and I'll get a chance to look at them firsthand A.W. Mumford Stadium, Savannah State, boy, since joining the SIAC, they have been on an upward trend. Virginia State, Coach Barlow, I kind of know that Coach Barlow. He has gotten the program up and running in an Albany State traditionally tough. A.D., this top five I would not disagree with. Can you believe that? I I can't. Can you? I pretty much agree with it. Uh, that was of the five teams that are in here. There was one team that I voted in my personal top five that is not in here, but it, but it is what it is. Is there anything that you would that you would remove from this top five and put in that you think, or do you think we do you, do you think the uh, no, media that, got that, it right? Yeah, they got it right in, in my humble opinion. Yeah. All right. And we'll take a quick look at six through 10 before we switch over to the major poll. 
Number six, uh, Fayetteville State. Number seven, Virginia Union and Tuskegee tied with Virginia State Tuskegee were tied number of points. Virginia Union got the tiebreaker because they received a higher a higher vote being a second or third place vote, whichever one it was, whereas Tuskegee did not did not get a vote in that in that same number. Uh, Langston coming in at number nine, West Virginia State coming in at number 10, receiving votes, Kentucky State, Fort Valley State, Morehouse. Quick, quick on those, uh, Carlos, anything you see on those? Well, Langston uh, coming in at number nine, very tough. I mean, they consistently now are, are getting it done. Tuskegee, what, what, what can you say? A powerhouse, Division Two level, uh, Virginia Union. If I probably, mm, Fanville State, you know what? I... I can't disagree with it, uh, six through ten as well. But I, I'm sure the you Mike would maneuver, make a maneuver between six and ten. Correct. I think number one, when you look at when you look at Fayetteville State, no disrespect to Fayetteville State, they dominate the CIAA South. But every time they go outside the CIAA South, they get a butt whooping. So I think Fayetteville State may be a little high, in my opinion. I think Langston is low considering the dominance that they've had in the sooner athletic conference. Uh, they went almost two years uh, without losing a game or almost three years uh, without losing a game. I know they were undefeated in, let's see, I, I get my years confused now. They didn't play in 20. Uh, they were undefeated in 2018 in the uh, sooner athletic conference and lost, I believe only one game in 2019. So I think Langston should be, uh, higher, and also I think well, West Virginia State should possibly be higher. Now, Langston, okay, where where would you move them? How many spots up you would move them? I move. I would move Virginia State. Excuse me, Virginia Union up one, and move Langston and West Virginia State to. I would have Virginia Union six, Langston seven, West Virginia State eight. Fayetteville nine and Tuskegee ten. Okay, I, I, I can see that. Yeah, because I, I mean I, I'm really super impressed with Langston again because you know what they've done and, and just passing the eye test at AW Mumford Stadium. Yeah, I, I could see that. But that's good to have discussions. You know, and, and, and that's what polls are for. They yeah. are for discussion. They are to generate a narrative around whatever teams that you're ranking, in this case, our HBCUs. Let's move over to the major division. Uh, and ha have you seen the poll uh, yet, Carlos? Well, I'm going to be just like the average person that's watching now. This is your I'll first time seeing it? I'll be seeing it for the first time. So I've got pen and paper in hand so I can critique if need be. So since you haven't seen this poll who, who do you have as your number one team? Alabama and yeah. And you know, and I know North Carolina AT, what they've done, but they haven't, they, they really haven't played, right? In, 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 in a while. So yeah. I, I, I would say Alabama AM, but I guess you could debate 
between those two. But I'm more interested in, well, not more interested, but interested in three through five. Because I've right. seen some other polls, and it seems like that's where it gets sticky at, between right. three and five. Anyway, here we go. Here's what the black media says. A&T did come in at number one. Uh, 122 points received his six first place votes. What is interesting, Carlos? Alabama AM comes in at number two at 121 points, just one point behind AT, but seven first place votes, with Florida AM receiving the other first place vote uh, for the number three spot with 106 points. Alcorn State comes in fourth at 100 points, and South Carolina State comes in a distant fifth at 69 points. Your thoughts? Well, I'm going to be brutally honest. South Carolina State, Alabama and them in the spring opened up a can on them. So I would not have them. I would not have them in the top five. And I know some people are going to say, oh, there he goes with the blue and gold glasses. But to me, Southern University should be in that top five. Not number one. Not number two. But again, Alcorn State, they're they're the defending champions. What two, two champions out championships all right, divisional winners, but didn't play in the spring. So I can see where there's some debate with that. But South Carolina State AD would not be in my top five. I, I I've I'm, got picking a on, I'm picking on South Carolina State. Now I've got a question for you. You bet your Southern should could possibly sneak into that top five. What about the, the defending uh, West, Western Division champions who beat Southern last year in UAPB? Why would you based, put them in ahead of Southern? Yeah, based, based on that, 33 to 30, right? Now, yes. if they would have played the next week or they played 10 times, you figure out who would have gotten so many wins in, 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 in 10 games. But they don't, they don't play 10 times. They play one, UAPB won 33 to 30. Yes, they they would be ahead of Southern University, but I'm thinking Southern University and UAPB should be in that top five. Now, so you're taking Alcorn and South Carolina State out, putting in I'm taking South Carolina State out, and I'm taking FAMU out. Ooh, so you're leaving Alcorn, mm-hmm. taking FAMU out? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm taking yeah FAMU out. And I'm putting Southern University and UAPB in the top five. So, so who's so uh, so you have AT, AM, Alcorn, Southern, and UAPB in your personal top five? Wait a minute, AD. And now I'm going to put Southern ahead of Alcorn State. Okay. Only because Southern played in the spring. But I, now we know one on one. Oh, that number I would like to forget one in 10, one in 11. Who's counting? Double so Southern, digit Southern three, UAPB four, Alcorn five for Carlos. Yeah. Okay. That that, that that's that's fair. What also what I find interesting about this one is when you look at those top four, actually those top five. It, well, you can't really call South Carolina State the defended BAC champions. They were crowned champions. But they didn't. They didn't play Howard. They probably would have beat Howard anyway. Alcorn, defending Western Division champion. Now, excuse me, defending Eastern Division champion. Division. Mm-hmm. Now playing in the Western Division. Won the SWAC 
title in 2019, did not get the opportunity to defend their title on the field. All right. Number and, three. And, and by the way, 20, 20, 2018 champions, too. And yes. I was personally at that game. Goodness. Yeah. Number three, Florida A&M. By record, won the BAC in 2019. Having defeated North Carolina A&T, had the best record in the BAC, but were, uh, were under sanctions and could not play in the Celebration Bowl. Obviously, Alabama A&M, defending black uh, college national champions, and North Carolina A&T, the defending Celebration Bowl champions. They won the last celebration bowl that was played. So I just find it interesting that these top four teams all can claim they are the last champion of some kind in their in their respective rights. No, and, and, and to your point, then to me, the, the, the clear-cut team that shouldn't be in that South Carolina State. Now you can debate the rest in what order. Um, you can have now, of course, I, I put put Southern University in there because, well, it, they were runner ups <laughs> 2018 and 2019 and, you know, didn't get to the championship game, you know, in the spring. Right so out I, the top. I, I, I guess that's I guess that's the debate that we'll, we'll continue on. Go yeah. ahead, AD. Round it out the top 10. Uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff at six, Southern at seven, Jackson State at eight. Scrambling at nine, Bethune at ten, receiving votes, Norfolk State and Prairie View. Any, any quick thoughts on that before we pick up the show and get out of here? Well, uh, uh, again, we've just talked about it. Southern Arkansas Pine Bluff, a strong case to be in that top five. Bethune Cookman at number ten, and boy, besides UAPV, Bethune Cookman not getting a lot of love shown. But again, it'll be played on the field. But these polls are good for discussion, and let the discussions. Uh, uh, continue now. Now, Grambling State, it must be because of uh tradition, but um, you can make a strong case that they shouldn't be ranked at all. But, so, people showing them a lot of love. Well, my partner Brian Fulford pointed this out on the sports wrap. What I find interesting in this six through ten, and thank uh, credit to Brian Fulford for pointing this out UAPB beat Southern, Southern beat Jackson State. All those who played them beat Grambling. And Bethune did not play. So I find that interesting in how that that one actually came out in order based on spring 2020 results. Well, because we're out of time and the objective was to have discussion, we, we tried to do that. But let 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 uh, mid-major and the major poll will be a point of discussion the rest of the day for you. And uh, we'll, we'll come back to it next week. But uh, And you AD, can go to hbcuprosportsmedia.com to uh, to follow that poll. That poll will come out every week. There will not be a poll after week zero. Next poll will be after uh, week one and will run through the remainder of the season. That information, AD. We've got to get out of here. We appreciate everyone for uh, tuning in and watching. AD, as you always say, what? Like? Like, subscribe, and share. We can't keep the show going unless you do all three.
we need you to like we need you to subscribe and we need you to share and uh prayers go out to you and yours and all those in the uh potentially affected areas for this uh hurricane that that's coming on shore download some of the broadcasts on the bcsn pod zone may provide some much needed entertainment and some things to take your mind off of your current conditions uh if the power goes out in, in your area so download a few episodes off of the bcsn pod zone hbcu sports podcast so that you can keep yourself entertained while you're dealing with some of the situations that you may have to deal with and um, as always we're out of here continue to uh pray for the situation we will be back we will survive and until next saturday at 10 a.m central standard time 11 a.m eastern standard time for the Coles Brown Show exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. For A.D. Drew, I'm Carlos Brown. Until next time, as always, peace and God bless. Ahalo. Right, thanks. My wife.